Our uh, first scripture reading this morning is from the uh, New Testament. It's a very short passage, but one that you probably have heard before. Uh, Paul's famous words in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. Paul writing says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, back when I was in college, which was the time of Noah and the Flood, um, one of the more rigorous courses that I took was a course in racquetball. Now, Gordon College, where I went to school, is a small school of about 1,200 students, and when I was there, we didn't have any racquetball uh, courts on campus. But an arrangement was made through the athletic department that the class meet at the Danvers Racquetball Club, which is about 10 to 12 miles away from the Gordon campus. And the athletic department even agreed to supply a school van so that we could be transported back and forth to the class. And um, unbelievably, they asked me if I wouldn't mind doing the driving. And I looked at this as a grand opportunity. Now, I had no idea that my New Jersey driver's license was not going to be good enough and that I actually had to take a driving test conducted under the watchful eye of the Gordon College campus security. Well, the day of the test was a typical November day in New England. It was cold, it was wet, it was raining, it was miserable. And as I got in the van for the driver's test, sitting next to me was one of the campus security officers, and I said to him, well, I guess you'll be giving me some slack the weather being what it is today, he just glared at me. I knew then that that was the wrong thing to say. And I kind of figured out right away that I was not going to be given any kind of a break. This guy was like Joe Friday from the TV show Dragnet. Just the facts, he was going to do everything by the book. And so I cautiously drove around the campus, coming to a complete stop, using my directional signals, always watching my speed. And then he asked me to stop and back up the van. No problem, just stick in reverse and look back. But this was a cargo van. It had no rear windows, which means it had no rear view mirror. In order to back up, I had to look forward and use only the side mirrors. You see, looking back was not allowed. Looking back was not an option. Looking back was not going to be helpful. Looking back seems to be the big problem in our story today. This is my last sermon on Genesis until January as we're coming into Advent and Christmas, which actually begins next Sunday on November 27th. And so for the last one of 2022, we're looking at the story of Lot and Lot's wife, which comes to us from the book of Genesis, chapter 19, verses 15 through 26. And so I invite you to follow along on the screen as I read. Genesis 19, 15 through 26. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Get up, 
take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or else you will be consumed in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and left him outside the city. When they had brought them outside, they said, flee for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the hills or else you will be consumed. And Lot said to them, oh no, my lords, your servant has found favor with you and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot flee to the hills for fear the disaster will overtake me and I die. Look, that city is near enough to flee to and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, very well. I grant you this favor too, and will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Therefore, the city was called Zoar, which means in Hebrew, little. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we pray that you would help us to make sense of this a strange story that comes from your word this morning. May it reveal to us uh, new truth and ways in which we might respond to your calling and be obedient to that which you have said for us to do. Help us not to linger too long in places that we ought not to be but to have the boldness and the courage and the faith to follow wherever it is you lead us. Through Jesus Christ we pray, amen. So let me uh, recap things just a bit. There's this man named Lot who happens to be Abraham's nephew. He and his family are forced to relocate out of the city of Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah had become so corrupt, so vile, so perverted in its practices that God was going to engulf it in flames and level it to the ground. But Lot, you see, had received inside trader information from some angels who came to visit and warn him of this city's impending doom. And so he knew, he knew what was coming. The Bible says, though, Lot lingered. See, the decision to leave was a difficult one. He was not really gung-ho about pulling up stakes, leaving that city, and going somewhere else. This would mean starting all over again. This would mean having to establish themselves as a family in a brand new place. See, Sodom was the place to be. Sodom had it all. It was the place that Lot had chosen to work and raise a family. He had bought a home there. There were summer barbecues and swim parties in the backyard with family and friends. He was very comfortable there in that cosmopolitan atmosphere. It was home. And just don't get up and leave home just like that. But the angels had made it clear 
that it was time to leave. Sodom, for all of its Las Vegas glitz and glamour, had a very ugly side. Oh, it might have looked fine from the outside, but inside, it was rotten to the core. And God said, enough. And so even though Lot lingered because he was reluctant to leave behind all that he'd worked for, the angels, it says, picked up him, his wife, and his two daughters, and, and kind of like a policeman finding a lost child in the mall, grabbed them by the hand, and then led them to safety. And then the angels had this final warning. Flee for your lives. Head for the hills. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. And for heaven's sake, don't look back. And I wouldn't be surprised if they said, you need to travel this way, and then you can pass go and collect $200. So here's the question. What made Lot linger so long in Sodom? I don't know. Maybe he felt like a vacationer on his last night at the roulette table. Maybe he wanted to linger until the last possible second and only then head out of town before that, that rain of fire began to fall. The Bible gives us another hint in Genesis 19, verse 1, which is earlier than our scripture reading. It says, Lot was known in the gates. You see, in ancient cities, the most important business, commerce, trade, governmental duties, was carried on in the gates. It's hard to leave town when you're a bigwig in the gates. It's hard to depart a place when you're a somebody, when you have status, influence, and a reputation. But God told Lot to get out of town immediately and don't look back. Now, some of you may be thinking, wait a minute, John. What do you mean, don't look back? What, what's wrong with looking back? And my answer to you is not a thing. Looking back can be a, a useful tool and experience for us as Christians. We can joyfully trace the way in which God has directed our steps and give thanks for his presence and wisdom and guidance. As we come to the end of the year, you may be looking back on 2022 with fondness. Maybe it was a new birth or a new car. Or maybe you got a raise or a promotion. Perhaps it was a graduation, or, or for me, a wedding, and, and a five-year anniversary with all of you. So yes, it is hard not to look back. Tragically, Lot's wife, who, did you notice, is not even given a name in the Bible, was running with them, and as they were heading out of town, she could not resist a final look back. What happened? Well, let's just say she became one salty old lady. The Bible says in Genesis 19.26, she became a pillar of salt. I would like to believe that that backward look of Lot's wife was no mere glance over the shoulder. I would like to believe that her look back was something different. Instead, I think it was this prolonged look of sorrow, sadness, and a bitter resentment over having to leave. 
You see, she had become so comfortable as a resident there, despite all the city's problems. Whatever sins were going on in that city, they were like Teflon. They just fell off. They were irrelevant to her. She had simply become acclimated to the conditions around her and was conforming to all that was going on there. You know, the Bible has an old-fashioned word for Christians who conform. Want to know what the word is? The word is worldly, worldly. And time and time and time again, worldliness has been the undoing for Christians. When the children of Israel got to Canaan, before too long, they began copying their pagan neighbors' habits and practices. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the church of Asia Minor was full of what you might call chameleon-like Christians, people who blended into the decor of the Roman Empire. In the 20th century in Germany, the church, the church adopted the attitudes of the people around them and then helped contribute to the rise of Adolf Hitler and the murder of six million Jews. Lot's wife was worldly. She, she conformed to the patterns of this world. But listen once again to what Paul said in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now the root word of those words, conformed and transformed, is the same word. It's the word formed. And either we are being conformed to the demands of the world, or we are being transformed by the inner power and ministry of the Holy Spirit. The world wants to control us with pressures from the outside, but God wants to change us by releasing his power from within. If the world is controlling you, you are a conformer. If God is controlling you, you are a transformer. J.B. Phillips is one who translated the Bible into modern English. Listen to how he translates Romans 12 too. Do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. Do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. Now the image that comes to mind for me is this assembly line that has these huge conveyor belts that just churn out cookie cutter Christians. People whose lives have no more substance than that of styrofoam. People who have relationships that are a mile wide, but only an inch deep. And what the Apostle Paul says is, get off the assembly line. Get off the conveyor belts. You are a unique and beloved child of the living God. Discover your identity as one who belongs to him. That's what we celebrate in the sacrament of baptism. You know, many of us, if we're honest, work really hard to be in the in crowd to blend in, to not be some square from Delaware. And many of us are willing to spend big bucks to be big into things like clothes and fashion. I love what someone once said, men love cars, women love clothes, and young people like cars because it takes them to clothes. <laughs> well, friends, we are on this planet for one reason and one reason only, to please God alone and not try to fit in the world's standards, to live our lives before an audience of one. Now, I don't think what the Apostle Paul is saying is that nerdiness is next to godliness, or that we somehow have to dress like the Amish, 
But neither should we as Christians be slaves to fashion or the ways of this world. Lot and his wife chose the kind of life and lifestyle that they wanted to live. We have choices here as well. We have lots of choices. I mean, one choice is living in Quarryville means you're not living in Hawaii. Being here in church on Sunday means you're not on a golf course or on a pickleball court. Choice is sort of built into the structure of our universe. And you know what? It's been that way since the very beginning. Do you remember the first words that God spoke to Adam? God said, you may eat from any of the trees in this garden, but don't even think about eating that, from that tree over there. Because if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have it all. Oh, but we try. And you know, that's what landed Adam and Eve in big trouble in the first place. My father just loves the Golden Corral. As he says, you get what you want. And he's right. There are choices galore on what to eat. You can have pizza and chicken and meatloaf and soups and salads and vegetables. Who cares? There's 86 different kinds of desserts. And I have eaten at the Golden Corral. And what was true of Adam and Eve is also true of me. On that day that you eat it all, you will surely die. Jesus says, faith is all or nothing. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Go sell all your possessions and all that you have and follow me. All, 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 all. Is it any wonder that people look at the cost of following Christ and they just about die of sticker shock? Wow, what a price to pay. Tony Campolo, the author, pastor, professor, tells the story of a young woman who was committed to being a missionary in Brazil. And she was dating a guy whose name happened to be John. And one day this woman came into Tony Campolo's office and she had tears streaming down her face. And she sunk down into the chair. She buried her face into her hands and she just started weeping. And so Tony Campolo asked, what's wrong? And she said, John asked me to marry him. And so Tony Campolo wondered about it. He said, well, what's wrong with that? Don't you like him? And she says, oh, I'm crazy about him. But then she went on to say that John was not committed to Christ and did not in any way, shape, or form want to go and be a missionary in Brazil. And so Tony Campolo asked her, well, what are you going to do? And she said, I'm going to Brazil. And on the day that she boarded the plane, Tony Campolo said she was crying, and John was crying, and Tony Campolo said I was crying. And as that plane lifted off the runway, Tony Campolo said this. He said, I found myself asking a question. Is this what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And the answer is yes, at times. That is what it means. When we follow the world, it will lead us down a dead end into trouble, and all alone. When we conform to what the world thinks we should be, we will wind up bitter and disappointed. But to follow Christ is to submit to his direction, to follow his path, and to surrender to his will and his way.
to fully trust that the future that he has in store for us is as bright, as bright as the promises that he has already made. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we pray that you would help us here to be transformers and not conformers, that we would not fall into the trap of following what the world wants or the world thinks we should be, but Lord, to find our purpose in following you and you alone, the path that you have lit for us, the path that leads to life, the path that leads to freedom, the path that leads to joy, the path that is full of love. And even though that path is not easy, Lord, it is so rewarding, it is so fulfilling, and it is there that we will find true contentment because of you. Help all of us to follow that path, because in following that path, truly we are following you. May we do so with obedience and faithfulness, courage, and boldness. In Jesus' name, amen.